Hey friends, it's Swetha. So check this out. I have my very first podcast interview. And I'm so excited because the way this was co-created is so in alignment with the message of this podcast episode. I interview my dear friend Molly and we talk about redefining hard work and uh, how to rest. So many other things we talk about as well regarding um, being lazy, listening to your body, how to use structure as a way to support creativity and living a feminine lifestyle, which is not about having a perpetual harvest, but living cyclically and in rhythm with your unique energy patterns. And I stopped doing a podcast. I had a podcast before my Spirituality 101 podcast, if you listened before, but I stopped it because it started to feel hard doing all the editing and it was this, I need to be consistent. And the urge to do a podcast was still there and I have been able to find structures and supports, meaning apps and technology to support the way I want to create it. And the universe has really showed up because I wanted to do podcast interviews and it wasn't until two days ago when Molly and I decided to do this that the app that I use suddenly offers a a way to interview. So this is a perfect example of some of the things that we talk about in this interview. So enjoy. Um, I also was able to use some of my cousin's beautiful music, a very inspiring song that you'll hear in the beginning of the podcast and at the end her name is at Nita Chawla Music on Instagram so check it out check her work out and if you I would love to hear your comments your feedback anything that you connect to or questions you have you can go to drswetthecoach.com to connect with me or come on my Instagram or Facebook I share a lot on there and also check out some events that I have coming up enjoy Hi, Molly. Hey, Swata. <laughs> I'm so excited to have this conversation, a conversation we've had many times, but to actually have it be shared. Mm-hmm. And so we decided to come together and talk about something that we have been both redefining for ourselves. And that's the concept of hard work and allowing in and learning how to rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Um, thank you so much, you know, for creating this space to, to talk in this way and to share it with others. Um, yeah, you know, I think about this all the time. So, yeah. <laughs> so do I. So let's kind of just maybe start off with like, why? Why do you think about this all the time? Well, for myself, I, when, I don't know, when I was younger, I worked jobs that were more like labor. And then I switched to more like professional and was my own boss. And I really, really got just smacked in the face by my own like very intense ingrained ideas of hard work and 
just pushing myself in this crazy way. Like it wasn't even about the money. It was about the feeling of I'm working hard. Like I need to be working hard. And then it was like, what does that even mean in this context? Like, what does it even mean when at the time my work was uh, seeing clients and doing really deep one-on-one work with their health, you know? And it was like, is working hard meaning seeing lots of people? Like, does it mean doing kind of like the back end admin and marketing that I do when it's slower, you know, which is what I fell back on sometimes, like, that is like not very satisfying, but I would find myself doing it a lot. And it really was just to like, feel like I'm working hard. So can we just maybe backtrack a little bit and can you tell us a little bit more about like what you became an entrepreneur in and what that, you know, what was the transition where you were? Well, so I went to school, um, I studied Ayurvedic medicine um, as it's taught and practiced in the U.S., which is a little different than India. But um, so that's the traditional medicine or one of them of India. I've, of course, run through many different kinds of uh, filters to get it to the modern era. But that's what I was, that's what I was studying. That's what I was passionate about. And um, I always worked when I was in school, too, you know, and that really was just because I needed to financially. Um, but then I was starting my practice, seeing clients, like sitting with them, working with nutrition, uh, herbal medicine, and then you know, like lifestyle, lifestyle support. And then I also, I, assert, I also started doing body work, um, Ayurvedic body work for folks too, which ended up being kind of the main thing that people wanted. It seems like infinite amounts of actually people really want People really need touch, therapeutic touch um, is what I found. But I, so yeah, that's what I was doing. And for the, in the beginning, I actually also had another part-time job. I still had my job that I had as a student, which was taking care of a disabled young woman. Um, So yeah, that's what I, that was my business. And I did it for about five years before I moved pretty far and had kind of a re, a reorganization in my life that I'm still I'm still figuring out. Mm, it sounds really intense. And um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, as somebody who has worked since I was 16 years old and can identify with the need to work hard, I have been able to pinpoint, you know, where that came from being a child of immigrants. That is, is the message that we hear all the time because having parents from India uprooting themselves, coming to America for that very typical story of we come for opportunity and the way that we come out from our, you know, meager uh, upbringing is that we work hard and we get educated and then Mm -hmm. we get to this place of, um, you know, it becomes a habit. It becomes a, even though like there's no end to, there's no like enough. We don't know what enough is. It's always about more and more and more, you know? So you buy a house, you buy a bigger house, you get one car, you get a bigger car. And um, so I know that that, that's where I received my kind of conditioning from. (laughs) I can really pinpoint it to that. And so I'm just curious Mm -hmm. to know from your background, like have you thought about this? Have you been able to pinpoint a couple of sources of, of this, this need, like where does this need for working hard come from? 
God, that's so interesting because I'm like, wow, I no, and I understand it seems like it is much more intense for immigrants, um, at least in certain places. Um, but why am I the same? <laughs> <laughs> same but different. <laughs> same but different. No, I know. It's so interesting. Uh, it's such a, a white girl from Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> With the same shit yeah, <laughs> and through a different filter. Yeah, and a New Yorker born in India. So it's right. kind of fascinating, right? <laughs> I know. I know. Well, I feel like some of it, I mean, in the past year especially, I've learned a little bit more about uh, about history, like the history that we kind of didn't learn in school, most of us, um, like why U.S. Did? history? Yeah, well, U.S. and Western Europe, because they're so well, everything's interrelated. But um, like, why was there this mass exodus out of Europe? Like, what was going on there that that you know that caused that? Like, um, millions of people left um and then they came well they went to different places but they came to North America obviously that's how I got here my ancestors got here uh and that's a whole mess but okay so it, it really was related to um the privatization of land that had been formerly commonly owned like that was a big factor like there were all of these huge huge numbers of people who'd been living a more subsistence-based lifestyle and they had access to land and like to graze their animals on or to harvest food from um, and that all changed all that was privatized and what we call capitalism was started so you mean like I, the land was shared essentially it had been yeah like if you can imagine kind of like a uh, you know, some, some guy, like land, like some, some rich guy, like on the land, you know, he's like the kind of a uh, feudal Lord or what have you. And it was his land, quote unquote, but he wasn't, he wasn't allowed to do anything to it any more than anyone else was. Mm. Like it was understood that it was held in common. I mean, some land wasn't owned by anyone, of course, but, um, a lot of it was was owned in that way and and there was there was you can look this up like there's uh written documents about this like there were specific laws around what you could and couldn't do and like what animals you could and couldn't take and um yeah it's, it's like a whole fascinating thing that i'm not you know i'm not a historian right um but i feel like there's a lot just in there in terms of our economic system the way that it's set up is like you're supposed to work hard like we have nothing to to do to earn to, to earn our bread so to speak other than sell our labor mm. right and there's this idea of like also kind of like solidarity in that like I'm one of those people who has to sell their labor <laughs> to survive versus like I'm one of these people that just sits back and like watches other people work you know this like elite class um which most people are not in um I feel like there's something in there about that that's really fascinating like macro right yeah and I'm really interested in this um this conversation around like how we separated ourselves because you know, I just uh, watched the movie um, about the Pope and it's called A Man of His Word. And there was something that he spoke about that just really resonated with me. Is it and Pope, Pope Francis? Pope Francis, yeah. Oh, cool. And um, 
you know, this is in the context of like the church, but I feel like it's just the world, you know, and he, he was talking about how when, when the church went from, you know, the teachings of love thy neighbor to, um, to materialism, essentially, to power and to, to, to be in power, that, that it totally lost everything that it was about. <laughs> and, and he mm-hmm. spoke about how in, in, in America, you know, it, it became this, like you lived in community and then suddenly it became about how much can you isolate yourself mm-hmm. by having a bigger house? You know, we and, and if you think about the American dream, like the American dream actually has like white picket fence, right? Like mm-hmm. separate, yeah, separate myself from from my neighbors. And which is kind of ironic because this this is supposed to be a country based on, you know, Christianity, and that's one of the biggest tenets of Christianity's love thy neighbor. And and so you and I have talked about this and we just talked about this, I think, yesterday. Molly and I talk like three times a week. It's really we talk cool. about this. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um, but we were talking about, like, I truly believe the biggest source of all of our suffering in this country is isolation and is lonely. Yeah. And, and that it's stemmed from how can I be bigger? How can I be, you know, separate myself by showing that I am of higher power? And but that that cre- that disconnects us from an essential need when you were just even talking about how people want to touch. <laughs> they just, they want closeness, they want intimacy. And so there's this kind of real like disconnection and almost kind of contra- contradictory, you know, um, with what we really, I feel, want and need and what we sh- think we should want and need. You know, I think you're, yeah, I agree with you completely. And something that came up when you were speaking just now was thinking about vulnerability um, and how like kind of if you're already in this place where you feel isolated and that's what people around you are doing, it's really vulnerable to shift that because that means, you know, essentially reaching out in certain ways that like, you know, they're not scripted and they're not, uh, maybe you're not like at your, at your best quote unquote Mm. in your mind at that moment like I don't even mean asking for help just like being real with other people it's like why do you need to be isolated you know if you're okay with people seeing you and your authenticity which brings up like you know something very interesting as far as you know and that this is where I'd like to hear more from you about how you have kind of redefined hard work but for me Mm -hmm. personally (laughs) Um, as I've gone through this, like, kind of dismantling of this belief of my worth and my value comes from how hard I work. I, uh, a phrase that came up for me was, instead of working hard, it's really about doing hard things. Mm. And, And doing hard things, for me, definitely vulnerability was a big part of it. Like, allowing myself to be needy, allowing myself to ask for what I wanted, allowing myself to receive, allowing myself to rest, (laughs) Um, and allowing myself to say that the way I operate in this world is very different than than the way the world has been created. And to stand by that and say, 
you know what, I, you know, I quit my job when I was a new mom and a lot of people are like, oh, you quit to raise your child. And I was like, no, <laughs> like I sent my son mm. to daycare three days a week. I, I quit to, to be with myself because <laughs> it, it was a whole new identity that I was, you know, I was I so identified with a certain career for 17 years. And then I identified with being just a wife, not a mom. <laughs> I also identified with uh, not being so connected spiritually you know, because all of those three things happened at the same time. And so I needed the space um, to really connect with myself. And that was really hard. And this was, you know, six, seven years ago. But the interesting thing is every time I get to that space of like um, allowing myself to have more of what I need, it's like my soul says, okay, now more like more rest, more joy, more ease, and it's, and it feels hard again. And so I'm curious <laughs> to know, you know, you've gone through your own quote unquote, you know, identity crisis, but I think it's, I like the word you used before reorganization. It's a good one, right? Yeah. And, and so I'm curious to know like what that, you know, transformation has been like for you and saying like, okay, I don't want to identify as a hard worker anymore. Yeah, so I guess I could say a little bit about what that's been like too. Without the whole, I mean, I don't. It's kind of. It's been a long. It's been a long haul. But um, when I moved, which is moving back to my uh, my hometown with my partner, which is it's been awesome. But uh, it's. Can been, you describe where, like, where you live? Yeah. Where you are now? Uh, so yeah, I live in the Midwest. Uh, the town is Lincoln, Nebraska, and. Oh, it's really beautiful in terms of like the climate and the land. Um, it's not as like intact of a bioregion as in certain places like on the West Coast that I loved, like Swet and I met in the Bay Area where I lived um, for eight years. And there's so many places there that are kind of like more, I don't, intact really isn't the right word because like the redwoods that grew where we lived were third growth, you know, but here like, uh, yeah, the landscape's been really radically changed um, by, you know, white settlers coming in agriculture. Um, but it's still, like, the plants that are here, they're so beautiful. And, yeah, I'm in a whole plant journey. Oh, but, yeah, I love being back here. I love how it's hot in the summer. Um, yeah. So Molly is an amazing herbalist. <laughs> and she has us. She has this real connection, a real divine connection to plants. I was just out foraging at one of these parks because a lot of the parks here, they don't, some of them do, but a lot of them, they don't spray, you know, and I've asked the park service, like, do you spray here? And they're like, no. So spray, like herbicides, you mean? Yeah, spray herbicides. And uh, yeah, because all the weeds are, they're all food and medicine. All um, the weeds are fruit and medicine. They really are. Oh, you have to talk about that because I feel like okay, that's a metaphor. <laughs> oh my God, I know. That's the whole thing. Yeah, it's like our prairie plants are endangered and I want to do, I want to be more engaged. I want to be engaged at all in the work of helping to propagate them, you know, and creating more like prairie lands again. People are doing that work. But yeah, like the plants that are growing here that are weeds, most of them are from Europe at some point, like that's where they came from, or like Eurasia as a continent. And um, they're 
I don't know, there are these like amazing old plants that you can read about in ancient books, like really old books from like the 1500s about like they made beer with them, you know? Can you give me an example though? Because when we think of- Absolutely. Like we're so always, a, let's get the weeds out. Let's put the yeah, weeds I'll tell you let's put the barrier. Yeah. I don't know a lot about gardening. People think like that here too, like extremely. You have to be careful about where you're harvesting. Um, but uh, so one of my favorite plants here is the the common name here is creeping Charlie. Creeping Charlie. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> Isn't amazing. I love the name so much. It's also called ground ivy, but it's not an ivy. It's in the mint family, actually, so that name is a little misleading. I don't really know why they call it ground ivy. Creeping Charlie, though, is such a great That's name. So um, I should look up what the Latin is, though, actually, just for folks who are listening far away that are like, what the hell is this <laughs> talking about? But while I look that up, I'll tell you that. Uh, so, yeah, it's this wonderful creeping plant. It's, I mean, it's, I, I'm not certain if it's considered invasive or not. It really takes over. It takes over shady places it takes over people's backyards okay okay i don't really know how to pronounce the latin it's like it, glechoma heterosia <laughs> i have that written down there for reference um g-l-e-c-h-o-m-a and then h-e-d-e-r-a-c-e-a um that's the plant. I just, I just love it. I've been making tea with it. I've been harvesting it and just drying it briefly, like just letting it dry out on a, um, on a drying tray. You can use like a cardboard box lid too. Um, and, and making tea with it. I actually did a vaginal steam this month with that as one of the primary herbs. Well, what's the reason like what what it what do you feel is like the benefit from using it or is it just I'm still learning I'm still getting to know it because all the stuff I was finding were more like historical uses like not a lot of practicing herbalists now are working with it um I used it to make beer actually I because that is I like that is a very traditional use it was like long before they were putting hops in beer they were using you know 5,000 different other herbs and that was one of them uh, but in terms of how it works in the body, um, I mean, I think if it, so in the mint family, like you're working with, uh, the nervous system, I think of right away because of all these volatile oils that are in there. Um, in terms of like energetics, I definitely experience this plan as more cooling. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I've, I've read it being used like as a, as a infusion, you know, as a tea, like kind of as like a spring summer tonic like to help you keep your strength up and I really feel it like I really feel so nourished by this plant um but I've heard it I've read about it being used in for more like actual medical conditions but I I can't really speak on it too much because I'm just still I'm just still learning and it feels like a really safe plant to be playing with I'm just really fascinated because you know, I come from, like, I see things from a very metaphysical perspective. And, you know, a large part of my own healing journey was to, like, was to look at my weeds, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and these, mm-hmm. these kind of parts of self that have been disowned, right? So, like, a weed for me would be if, if I wasn't a hard worker, what, who would I be? And it would be, I would be lazy, 
Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) That's this weed. But then like, as I've been redefining and I, you know, do this with some, with my clients as well is these things become medicine. And what I have learned about myself is that the more I actually relax, the more things come to me, you know, and just to give kind of like a real tangible example of this, I remember one time I was meditating and this, I was like new to meditating and just starting to hear kind of like intuition. And I was newly starting my business. And because I had this work ethic of I got to work, I got to work, I got to market, I got to do these things. When I was meditating, the voice said, go relax with your husband, <laughs> like go enjoy yourself. And mm. I was like, what? You know what I mean? Like, I can't do that. I'm a new business owner. I need to like work. I got to earn, but I was working with this new experience of actually like trusting myself, which was very new. And so I did. And we went to the botanical gardens and I remember just like falling asleep on the grass and my body was really achy. And when I woke up, it was like completely rejuvenated. Wow. (laughs) And I came home to a message on my voicemail that said, I heard one of your interviews and I'd like to sign up for coaching with you. And I was like blown away because I'd never experienced something so easy in my life before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that and it, is so awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and so like this idea of laziness slowly started, it was a weed that was redefining into something else of like, you know, relax and attract, which we hear, we hear it in the, in the kind of, spiritual kind of you know um world but the act of actually what does that look like what does that feel like in your life i think a lot of people don't actually practice it because it Mm. it it can feel really wrong (laughs) oh Yeah. yeah i love that example and i mean i feel like it's i mean i think that certain times in one's life you know you'll find yourself more busy like with things you actually have to do right Right, and like that's a real thing and some people just are in really tight financial circumstances but it's like I still I so I feel like the question is more like how it's like it's not about like how can I stop working but it's like how can I just bring like maximal ease and relaxation to my life you know like Mm -hmm. just with the time that I do have Mm -hmm. And if you are self-employed, oh my God, you have so much more time than you realize. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, so just kind of going, going, yeah, going back to like for you specifically in, in redefining hard work. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I'll tell you, I figured out with the help, like I'm getting help from people, mentors and friends while I'm in this process. Cause I really couldn't see out of my own little blinders. Uh, so much gratitude oh, for them. But uh, the thing that came clear really quickly was that what I really, so it's, there's like validation and feeling good about myself cause I'm busy cause I worked hard, but so that was one level. But another aspect was that it actually doesn't feel good to be fully idle unless unless it does but like if I want to be doing stuff like I want to be doing something with my hands I want to be like typing counts it's actually not the best thing but it counts um typing writing painting 
drumming. I've, I was like deep into drumming world for those years. Um, and uh, you know, gardening, all of these just different kinds of handiwork. Um, I found that that was what I really needed more than anything else. I didn't so much even need this like validation of I'm a hard worker, as long as I was making, you know, making my bills and stuff, you know, and like kind of reaching those um, financial, like, that, that, you know, that level of need was being met. It was really like, no, I just need to be moving my hands. And so when I would get that urge, like, I need to work, I'd be like, do I really, or do I need to go drum in the park? I love that. <laughs> and I, I pretty much needed to go drum in the park uh, a few times a week. I just love that because I think that takes a level of self-awareness that so many of us don't actually give ourselves space to listen to what is unique for you. And I know like even when I've been in this conversation of, okay, I'm gonna relax, I'm gonna actually schedule in a self-care day that I would kind of get caught up in what does it mean to have self-care, right? Mm -hmm. Which would be um, taking a bubble bath or meditating. Or it's always writing. taking a bubble bath. That's the only thing that is self-care. <laughs> right, right. Like there's just these, these things that people recommend for us. And I, um, I think that sometimes being active is actually a form of self-care, but it's doing what you want to do instead of what you like should be doing or not be doing, you know? Yeah. And active breast, active breast, active breast. Like. You know, mm -hmm. Yeah. Like for example, I remember I, um, you know, social media is a perfect example of this. A lot of people, when they talk about kind of connecting to yourself or honoring yourself, it's like, you know, social media is, uh, bad TV is bad. You know, people, I right. that other extreme, right. Of, of what it means to be like, you know, in, spiritual or personal growth wise or whatever you want to call it healthy. And, and, and then like I would go on vacation, for example, with my family and my husband would kind of be in that whole, like, you know, social media is bad. And then I kind of realized for me, I remember we took a trip to Mexico and I realized all these amazing things were happening for me in the sense of, I get off on seeing signs and synchronicity. Like to me, that makes me feel very divine, divinely connected. And I get an extreme amount of joy in sharing those stories. And it was a matter of just giving myself permission to be like, this is actually a form of self-care for me. And, oh, right, like writing about it on social media. Yeah, or being connected. Like, you know, being, you know, for my husband, for example, family is very filling for him. And it's a high value for me as well but I also get a lot of fulfillment from sharing from writing from creating and um, I'm a very like mentally active person and so instead of kind of judging myself for, for for like I guess what I'm trying to say is like honoring who you are you know like you are a very physical person you need your hands to move mm -hmm. and owning that and saying like what are those outlets that feel good for you you know, I am a very mentally active person. And so to try to get myself 
to not use my brain, I think would be going against who I am. Yeah. I'm able to sit in stillness. That's not actually like I've cultivated that, but I also, my brain needs activity. I need to be creating stories, mm-hmm. <clears throat> experiences. Yeah. And so just like really honoring like who you are and being able to channel it in a way that serves you and, and sometimes it serves other people. I, I kind of feel that our greatest gifts are like right under our nose. Hmm. And, and, but oftentimes we've been told it's wrong, you know, and, um, and then it, so it goes into a shadow. Like I love to talk. I've always loved to talk. And I see it punished all the time for talking in school <laughs> and in home. And, and now like we're talking, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But this will serve somebody. This yeah. serves me you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's totally true. <laughs> or like you're only this, this gift that you have or this proclivity that you have is only useful in this certain way. Right. Which like is do defined. that over here. Yeah. Right. Which is defined by our families, our communities, the greater kind of landscape of, of society, um, are your profession, you know, even within like you're an entrepreneur, I'm an entrepreneur and I've had to really honor that I do business differently than a lot of the way other people do business. Like Mm -hmm. my marketing plan is to be chatty out on the street. (laughs) (laughs) yes and and I've always fought it because you know not fought it but I've always been like I'm supposed to be doing other stuff like I gotta advertise I gotta this that and it's like no like as long as I'm just having conversation with like kind of quote-unquote the right people opportunity comes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah did I did I answer your question about hard work earlier yeah, like I loved that you kind of shared how it wasn't so much about you got your value from it, which which is, I think, where I came from, but that this different experience of, you know, how, like, that it was actually a need, but you were, it wasn't channeled def- in, the, in the right way, in a sense. Yeah, yeah, and the thing was that, that it was both, but once I started meeting that need of needing to be, A, creative more, and B, moving my hands most of the time, um, I, the, other, the other part of, like, the validation and the, like, feeling like I needed to be a hard worker, that really calmed down a lot. Cause it was, it was actually secondary to that. What I think was really more like a physical need. Um, yeah. I and I mean, just for other folks who were diagnosed as ADHD, which is me. Um, I don't necessarily believe in that as a pathology, but it's an, it's a real thing in the spectrum of functioning. You know, like I can't just like sit and yeah. Rest for me might not look like rest for someone else. Yes. That's exactly it. Rest for you may not look like rest for someone else. And so how do you, you know, I know that you've worked with clients before and and you've kind of had these conversations with friends and mentors and lots of different people. Have you been able to find any ways to be able to help someone identify what rest looks like for them? Mm. 
usually people know that's a cool thing because it's like the thing that fills them up mm. like it's you know a lot of people yeah they just know like what the it's it's uh and sometimes it's active you like then they if it's really physical then they need to you know build in also that time for stillness too you know or like if you go if you if like running is the thing that really feeds your spirit like of course you have to like plan in those times to rejuvenate yourself but um yeah I feel like people know it's just a matter of like that permission slip yes see like I really love what you just said you said rest is that thing that fills you up right because <laughs> I can't tell you how many people like especially like in the like meditation has become such a big thing nowadays right and 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 it's almost like there's a pressure to there is a pressure to meditate <laughs> it's hilarious actually it's hilarious and, and and it just goes back to like other people defining for you right mm -hmm. like other people are defining for you what it means to work hard and other people are defining for you what it means to rest and so mm -hmm. i think like what yeah. i'm hearing you say is like everything just comes back to knowing yourself it and does. and part of it is i think for some people listening and for other people it's like trusting right so i think like some people they hear it and they know what they need but they can't seem to like honor it and i think there's like this other group of people that they don't even actually really know because they're just so on autopilot right That's you know and i true. like i've definitely been on in both in both spectrums <laughs> in a way and um that aspect of like what brings me joy and then also like what brings me joy today may not be what I need tomorrow you know like today I might need to dance and move my body and tomorrow I may need to just like take a nap and watch tv and do nothing mm -hmm. um but to be able to honor honor the ever-changing needs <laughs> that we have which kind of brings me to another question of I know for me when it comes back to like to work, you know, to the conversation that I'm really in right now is what does structure look like? Mm. Because I, like you said before, I'm not interested in not doing anything. <laughs> like I need to do stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this is not about just like being lazy and not doing anything. It's really about being aligned in the action that you take. And a big part of the conversation for me has been about timing and understanding timing and relating to timing in a way, in a different way. And so one of the things that I have learned for me that's been working in the last few years is, in the last couple of years, is that I actually started to track kind of like my rhythm in a way. And mm. I when I had more freedom as an entrepreneur, when I left my nine to five job, which, you know, I've been thinking about this too. Like I've stayed at my job for 10 years. Why did I stay there? And I've been asking myself that. And I realized because there was a lot of flexibility and it was a, I was a professor. So it was cyclical. We had semesters and then we had time off. And you, so, had, you got all kinds of different things to do, right? I remember you telling me that. Like, it right. Was like, I was able to create yeah. a lot of different experiences. I was at the university. I was at a, at a pharmacy creating experiential opportunities for my students. I was doing fairs in the Bronx. I was being of service. So all of these things were meeting my needs, even though maybe the topic 
necessarily wasn't uh, what I loved. And so what I realized, you know, now I'm like in this top in the university that I love of things I like talking about, hmm. but that, that structure is, was kind of missing because I didn't realize that it wasn't so much, um, it wasn't only just the topic. <laughs> it was, it's, it's about kind of the, the structure of, of my life. And so I've been seeing a rhythm and in the last few years and I'm, I'm working to own it and like make it um, the way I live, which is very different than society. And you and I have talked about this kind of being in the creative world is that it's, it's like project-based. Project-based, yep. <laughs> and so, and so like every, I have all these passions and like you, you have so many passions. I think most and this is not specifically for entrepreneurs, but I think in general, like, you know, if you're kind of thought about working for yourself or if you are identified as a creative or an artist, you have a lot of passions. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Most, most people do who are in that realm, I think. Yeah. And so what's been helpful for me is, is because I'm a mom as well. And, you know, the practical parts of things of paying a mortgage and responsibilities. And so like, how do I own those everyday things I need to show up for and my passions and what has been working for you I'm so curious so I started this uh thing of naming my seasons and so every three to four months I actually sit down and I look at the previous three or four months and I look at like what has what have I accomplished and I think that's like a big 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 important thing for people who kind of have this hard work addiction. Mm. Um, when I was 37 years old, when I turned 37, my birthday's coming up on Monday, I'm going to be 41. But when I turned, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> when I turned 37, I made this pact to myself um, that I would no longer focus on self-improvement, but I would actually focus on self-acceptance. Hmm. And that was life changing for me. Absolutely life changing for me. I literally made a list of all the things I had accomplished. And I gave myself like I had to accomplish 20, like 20, I had to name 20 things. Hmm. And what was so fascinating was all those accomplishments were things, right? Like I got this certificate or I did this, blah, blah. And then what happened was I did another 20 and it all turned into um, these, what I call softer accomplishments or feminine, which mm -hmm. were things like, I didn't get short tempered with my son. Mm. I, you know, was more loving. I was kind, I looked at the, I looked in the mirror and had a positive thought about myself and my body. And yeah. I started to like, I looked at this person and I didn't judge them, but I actually saw like a positive quality about them. I didn't compare myself to this woman, but I saw her as something to admire and look up to that I have within me. Hmm. And it was just like these really subtle things that were very much like my thoughts. They were really thought-based accomplishments. <laughs> and it's become a way of living for me that has really changed a lot in the way my life like the harmony that I'm experiencing in my life. 
And so every three to four months, every quarter, that's what I do. I, I write out a list of everything I've accomplished. And then I have, I, I use the name your season to prioritize essentially, mm. you know, because there's so many passions, right? So, and I think for a lot of women that are married and have small kids, it's like family first, always, like always family first. And, um, and I think that's really harmful, mm-hmm. you know, and I know there's some, some people who had narcissistic mothers, which was not necessary, you know, like I'm less familiar with that as well, <laughs> but you know, then they may tend to, to be very, very, um, hesitant to, to put themselves first, Sure, you know, and that's been really helpful for me. Like last season, like I, it was, it was, a, it was about getting comfortable with planning (laughs) that was the name of my season was getting comfortable with planning and um and it was fascinating because what I realized was that there what ended up unfolding for me was that there's actually a divine plan yeah and that I don't actually have to plan I just have to choose to honor that I'm actually listening to it you know because I I I, I pay attention to, I don't choose from my ego of like, I, because if I choose from my ego, it will always be about money and security. Mm-hmm. It will always be like, I got to work to make money. Like that will always sense. be my choice. <laughs> but if I let go and if I really trust that there's a divine plan and I'm provided for, it leads me to the most interesting experiences. So last season, for example, I got led to doing theater and improv and it was, if you would have told me that that's what I I would have done 2018, I would have been like, what are you talking about? I'm not an actress. I'm not a, but once I accepted it, like that's what my heart was yearning for. And I accepted it. I found the most amazing sacred improv class and had the most satiating experience of my life. Like I never felt satiated before. And what was so beautiful was I was actually able to bring that spontaneity and creativity to my home. And, and my son, who's learning how to write, I, he was having trouble with writing. I found an easel on the street and I, he loves his stuffed animals and we played school and he's a Leo. So he needs to be a leader. And I, (laughs) so I made him the teacher and he wrote the word of the day on the board. And so it was like, it's adorable. Yeah. And so like me actually following my passion ended up serving my family in the way Cause that, that, cause you were inspired to come up with that fun way of learning. Exactly. That's awesome. And so I connected with him. I supported with him and I was also kind of like expressing my own passion, which was so awesome. And But this season, like, it's all about structure, which is like totally, like last season was all about spontaneity. And this season has been all about structure and it's Mm. been about designing. Like that's the word that keeps coming up for me is designing. Um, So my, the name of my season is my unique business model. And, and the word that kept coming up is leverage because I am so used to like, I have an idea. I got to build it all on my own. Right. I got to do it from the roots up. And that's exhausting, <laughs> which is exhausting. It's, and, yeah, it's ridiculous. And leverage, 
like it's amazing because what's happened in this last season is I've gotten invited to be on podcasts and speak and do all these things. And I'm usually the one creating the podcast, creating the platform for everyone else, but I've been invited to, 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 to do a reading at a live cafe from a group of mama writers, all these things that I want to do where I don't have to build it, which is mm -hmm. a new experience for me. Um, so in, I call this co-creation as opposed to like manifesting, you know, I really mm -hmm. believe like the, the divine, the universe, whatever you want to call it is trying to like support us. But if we're so busy working hard, we don't like trust and we don't allow. And so I'd love for you to speak about that because even before when you were talking about how you're in this reorganization, mm -hmm. you know, you mentioned that you have mentors and friends and you've just in the, you know, the time that I've known you, you've always been good about letting yourself be helped, even though you're a hard worker. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that's a hard thing for a lot of people. So can you just talk mm -hmm. a little bit about yeah. that? Will you share that quote though first about the angels and that like speed? Oh, the one from, yeah, there's this um, quote from this book, uh, do less, achieve more. And I love this quote. And it says that if you don't slow down, the angels of good fortune can't, can't catch up to you. Yes. <laughs> that is thought provoking. I think about that a lot. <laughs> so I was like, you have to share that quote because it is what we're talking about. Um, so yeah, speaking about structure, that's what you were interested in and how and just I was, allowing yeah. it out, like how, like being mm -hmm. that you're a hard worker and you're kind of like used to being self-sufficient and doing things on your own, you're also good at allowing in help. And so like, I've gotten better. Yeah. You know, I've gotten better. Um, you know what the biggest crash course in that though, honestly, was my mother's death. Um, when I was 23, uh, cause I was kind of one doing a lot of the managing of the stuff, you know, when she was actually like in the hospital those last few days and then like kind of a lot of the stuff afterwards, like I just was pretty shitty at delegating and there were people there who could do stuff, but I just was like, I couldn't really... I couldn't really do that. Like if people came and were like, can I do this thing? I feel like that would be awesome. Uh, but I, I didn't know how to initiate that. And so like, I felt like that just really intense and kind of emotionally saturated experience just came up in my mind again and again uh, over the years of like, wow, you felt like you had to do all that by yourself, but did you really? Mm. And, and of course I, I didn't. Um, but that, so it's, I feel like I refer to that in my mind all the time. Um, and I think, am I doing that thing? Like, am mm -hmm. I feeling like I'm surrounded by people who are just falling apart emotionally and I'm the only one who can hold it together? It's like, <laughs> it's a horrible way to live, you know? Can um, we, are you okay with us? Are you okay if we yeah. go a little bit? Oh, of course. Cause you and I talk about this a lot as well. And we both grew up with mothers with mental deficiencies or I don't know what the right word is, yeah, you know, mental illness. Mental illness. in my situation, my mom was never diagnosed and was never, mm -hmm. we never talked about it ever till this day. Like both my parents have passed away and my brother and I have never discussed it. And mm -hmm. I have a story being published in an anthology coming out in October 
So about your mom, about my mom and what it was like growing up with a mother that had essentially post post traumatic and mm-hmm. she would literally leave her body, you know? And so at the age of as far as I can remember, you know, six, seven, eight years old, I would literally have to nudge her to bring her back into her mm-hmm. body because if not, she would be living, you know, just speaking in another language, <laughs> like, like, almost like a, you know, a, a person you would, a crazy person you would see on the train, mm-hmm. but it was so confusing because she was so highly functioning in public and she held a job. She was a really hard worker, mm-hmm. <laughs> very hard worker, incredibly independent. You know, when it came to buying our house, she put the down payment down on her house. So mm-hmm. as a child, I got so many mixed signals around what it meant to be a strong woman. And, and I know now, because I've spent a lot of time on this, and I think this is the way a lot of women, like my mom's situation was extreme, but I think a lot of women live this way where they're physically um, strong, they're able to function. Like they just have real strong, um, I guess, uh, they can handle a lot of pain, <laughs> you know, and still function, but emotionally so unsupported. Yeah. And, um, and they've, it's just been a coping mechanism. So it's just kind of been like this separate thing. And so I had to realize like what it's, how vulnerable it is to allow any emotional support like I didn't go see a therapist until both my parents died you know because like that's how bad it had to get like kind of like how you were saying right like it was at your Mm -hmm. mom's funeral that you allowed yourself to yeah I mean a little bit (laughs) even a little yeah just like a little bit right (laughs) and so our like our understanding of like how much support we really need is I think so skewed in society yeah now like because women are so capable of quote-unquote being strong you know like I just think about the Hindu goddesses and how they have all these arms and they're able to like and we thrive (laughs) off of super mama superwoman but it's not healthy like going back to our, our original conversation we are actually meant to be a communal society and you know, you and I were talking about this yesterday, mm-hmm. where it's like the people closest to us, our own family and our own community in some ways have become our like enemies in mm-hmm. that we're, we're protecting ourselves from our own family. We're hiding mm-hmm. ourselves from our own, you know, community. We don't feel safe to be ourselves. And, and you know, my husband who's from Peru is like, he, 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 he was saying that he thinks it's so strange that on Thanksgiving and on Christmas, people are so stressed out to go home, be with their family. <laughs> like so it, interesting. It's so crazy. But yeah, so, you know, going back to your experience of, of this, this being celebrated for being hyper-functioning. Yeah, being celebrated for being hyper-functioning, definitely. And I, and I was. So damaging. Yeah, if you could share a little bit about your experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah, being celebrated for being hyperfunctioning. I mean, that kind of sums up a lot of my life, actually. Um, and kind of like, uh, <laughs> I used to feel judgmental towards people. I mean, I'm going way back, like junior high, high school. Like, I had certain friends who were 
just kind of a mess. Like everybody knew they were kind of a mess and they were in and out of different kinds of trouble. Um, and maybe they had an eating disorder that was more obvious than like someone like me and the kind of like less obvious eating disorder that I had, um, which was just being super uptight about food because like not trusting, you know, feeling like I had to control. Uh, I felt judgmental of those friends and people who were more obviously a mess. It was like, like, why can't you just like hold it together? But what I realized really only about a year ago, like I'm 32 years old. So <laughs> maybe it was a year and a half ago. Um, <laughs> I'm an adult at this point. <laughs> and, I, and I realized really that we were two sides of the same coin. We were not different. Like we had the same problems in a lot of cases. And the way that I dealt with it was by just being kind of like hyper, um, yeah, hyper functional and also like, feeling like I had to deal with everything internally. Like I couldn't externalize anything. Like I couldn't go and get into some sort of like trouble in some way or like let myself be seen in some way that seemed like um, non-functional or uh, because it was just like, I didn't want ever to be seen in that way. Um, whereas like they couldn't give themselves like the structure sometimes that they needed, right? Um, like someone who's, you, you know, a kid who's in and out of a lot of trouble, like um, they're not able to give themselves that containment that I had way too much of. Um, mm. So I don't even feel like it's going to the middle because like the middle would just be a mix of those two problems, but really <laughs> going to like this place that, and you can't necessarily do it when you're a kid, but as an adult, you can do it of like being, being both, you know, letting myself be totally messy um in all the ways that i am in the moment but giving myself that containment too and these are not my own ideas um, by any means my friend and mentor luna love is her name taught me some of this and then i've like worked it through my own filter but i don't think i could have come to it on my own because it was just so deep in there yeah to be like this kind of hard working good girl um and kind of like yeah in my summer break like I really relish my alone time like I'm, I'm not an introvert I don't think like people are always talking about that 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 framework of introvert extrovert I don't really think I'm an introvert I just oh I just love like these stretches of alone time too to just like read or be creative but when I was a kid like I would like structure my summer vacations in terms of like I would have certain many like books that I felt like I ought to read and like certain projects you know mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes I didn't even want to I just felt like I should read that book <laughs> um so like fast forward a little bit um so that's where I'm coming out of you know and it's like, I don't know, those are all coping mechanisms that I am grateful to have had because I survived. Right. Know? And right. I'm grateful. I'm grateful to that young person who survived. Um, and I don't need all of those anymore. And what I found is I don't need a lot of structure. Uh, I bring structure like automatically, like I kind of automatically want to start like I can't, I've always have a to-do list going, you know, and I have a calendar and, um, 
I, what I find is actually the more like relaxed and open I can be kind of the, the better. Like if I have certain of these, you know, practical things I need to do, like, um, you know, all the things like regarding like money and bills and taxes and all these things. I just schedule in time to do those things, you know, and I don't mean like tight schedule, just like this week I'm going to do that. And then I look at the days and I'm like, okay, I'll allow, you know, these hours, you know, I'll do like, depending on the project, you know, but I'll schedule in like these hours on Monday and these hours on Wednesday to actually work on it and finish it up. Um, and that works really well for me. Um, I tend to schedule like bigger blocks for stuff um, just so I can have some flexibility around it and so I can really get into it like just like dig into it if it's something that I like and because that's the thing like taxes and money and all of those things that doesn't stress me out at all as long as I just have the the time and space for it right but you just have to do it. <laughs> like I finally have myself kind of more organized in terms of tracking money. Like I was always pretty good about business, like money in and money out, like business expenses and um, what money I was bringing in. But in terms of looking at like my full life and where that was, how that was all happening, I, I didn't do. And I just like, it stressed me out. And what I finally found was that just like, using a notebook to track it all was what I needed to do. Like there was not an app. There was not. Because you need to use your hands. I do. <laughs> right. So it's like, I do. It's, it's like all roads cross back to like, who are you uniquely? <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> and and what, it's so nice to have a physical notebook. Right. Cause you, 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 you're a very physical person. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, there's, there's a couple of things that you share that I just really want to kind of draw out and like mm -hmm. emphasize because I feel like they're so universal. And one is, you know, you were talking about being very structured was a, a coping mechanism because there was, you didn't use these words, but if I may say like a lot of chaos around you growing up. Mm -hmm. And I find that, I find that to be, that was the case for me too, you know, and that, you know, I'm not a mental health provider by any means, but there's a lot of information about eating disorders and um, OCD and things like that, like being all about control, right? Absolutely. And, and so as a kid, you don't know your power. You also are very limited in, in the choices you can make. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes when we become adults, because we're so afraid to look at those weeds, you know, we just are on autopilot of our coping mechanisms and we're, we're not, oh, yeah. we're not bringing it to present day, you know? And so I often find like the, the fear of looking at that stuff is so much more than the actual stuff. Right. Oh, I know the actual stuff sometimes is like, it's so sweet. Yeah. Actually. It's so yeah. sweet. It's not even scary. Yeah. And it's because we're still thinking like we're six or seven years old and we yes. realize we have all these ability, like we have a choice. We can say no, we can like move out of a certain relationship. We can move out of a job. We can move out of our situation. Like that structure that's built around us is not actually our safety. You know, mm -hmm. our safety actually comes in like self-honor. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, and, 
And that's why like I, I hear a lot of people get really caught up about like money, like they don't want to quit their job if because they have a family to support where they and, and it's like is that is that reality? Like because the truth is you're an adult and you're very capable and there's a lot of different ways to create money. Like it doesn't have to be like what you're trained in, what you went to school for, what your spouse or your parent told you. But that's where a lot of people are making their decisions and choices from in that space. combo with like the feeling of like I need all this crap like I need all this stuff and right and and that's a a lot of what the like my book is about you know I wrote a book like I still haven't found what I'm looking for now now what (laughs) and because that was essentially my story like life was like a resume right like check 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 (laughs) happy last thing is motherhood and then it's like why do I not feel I actually feel devastated not even Mm. happy and um so you know again it goes back to that whole like thinking that the and it, this is not like saying don't enjoy material successes it's not that at all but it's a matter of those choices coming from like what you really want and not right. not, not this coping mechanism of safety of I need right. this to be safe because I'll fit in I'll be accepted etc there was something yeah. else that you said that I wanted to draw out. I forgot what the um, the last thing that you mentioned was. About, um, I wonder, we well, we were talking about like structure like now and like allowing lots of time just to do, to do those things like taxes and. Right. My, my and so I think, <laughs> yeah, you know, and I think this conversation's up a lot right now about structure and you know, I'm pretty active in my, in my church. And, and that's a perfect example. Like I'm not even Christian, but I go to a church. Right. And the Mm -hmm. reason why is because going back to structure is because of their values. You know, they, I'm so drawn to their values. Their values Mm -hmm. are renewal, dependency, creativity, story, and community. And those last three ones are the ones that I got really attracted to, but it turned out I, I, what I, what the, my soul was telling me that I needed was the dependency one. It was the one, it was the one value I would always forget that's hilarious. <laughs> what I would tell you. And I'm like, Oh, cause that's the one that I'm supposed to learn, which was right. for me specifically was this going back to allowing in help, mm-hmm. you know, because my control came from a place of like, I'm responsible for everything that happens in my life and that there's no place, there's nothing to relax into. Uh-huh. you know and part of that was from again being hyper functioning but also from not trusting that life supports me and loves me you know because if it did why would have why would childhood childhood have been so challenging right right how could how could the universe be trustworthy if it's been like this right and 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 what i realized for me specifically was it was because i was not taught about about my own divinity and my own Mm -hmm. sacredness. I was not taught to tune in. I was not taught to ask for divine support because, you know, especially in my culture, we're taught that our parents are God. And, and really, yeah, like that's a big tenant tenant in our, um, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, and so it's, it's interesting to be in this country where everybody's in therapy and they're always blaming their parents all the time. But in my, <laughs> my culture, when I started to do my inner work and realized I had anger towards my parents, it felt very wrong. 
It felt mm-hmm. very wrong because my mind had made this decision that if I honor my feelings of anger and disappointment and resentment, it means that I don't love my parents. Right. Which was not true because I love my parents deeply. Like I love them so much and I would not ever want to do anything, even if it meant denying my own self, if it meant that I didn't love them. And, and so I had to kind of unravel that. And I think that is a big part of what I am seeing within myself and for the women that I work with is the reason why they don't take action, even though they should, no, they, they quote unquote should, like they know they should go work out and, and give and be away from their children, but they feel guilty is because there's these two beliefs that are completely contradictory at the same time going mm. on in the mind. And when you, um, I, what I have, when you allow and help, like you were saying that your mentor allow you to get to this place that you couldn't get to yourself. Oh yeah. You are raised in in consciousness and you can see through a different lens that you weren't capable of seeing at the level you were. And again, I, I love to make things tangible. The a great example of this was, you know, when I took my son to the park and he wanted to ride on his scooter and I deeply believe in freedom. Like that's one of my values. Um, but I also know that I'm a, I have a parent that's responsible for him. And so I, even though I don't want to limit him, it's not safe for him to just go wherever he wants to. And so that was, a, that created a conflict, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I want to keep him safe, but then I also want freedom. And I ended up playing with him on the play structure. And what I realized was the play structure was really elevated. It was really high. It gave me a bigger view of the park. <laughs> which meant that my son could go farther and I could see him. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. You know, and so I was able to get both. And, and that essentially what I see as getting help is from mentors and people who can help you elevate your level of consciousness to do the inner work, to do the inner reflective work, to see your life experiences from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, and I have a chapter in my book called the finding the pain in your, per- finding the purpose in your pain. And a lot of us get stuck in what happened to us and we get stuck in the coping mechanisms and we right. don't see how there was a purpose in it. Cause now I see is life as very purposeful, very purposeful. And, um, and, and so now whenever anything doesn't work out, like if I just give myself space, I ask myself, how do I see this through the eyes of love? And it's, that's, um, that's beautiful. How do I see this through the eyes of love? And it's amazing what, what unfolds you know I think the questions we ask ourselves are so powerful and Mm -hmm. if we ask why did this happen to me you get more of that Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's how powerful we are you know Mm -hmm. what I mean and nobody teaches us that as a kid how powerful (laughs) we are you know and if like I teach my son this stuff all the time now like this morning he said I'm feeling weaker and weaker and weaker when we were driving in the car to school and I said close your eyes and put your hand on your belly and ask your body what it needs and he immediately got an answer. He said, water. Oh. Like, he got his own answer. <laughs> oh, and I was like, so sweet. Oh, my God. I was like, you got water right there. I just said, I just filled it with refreshing grapefruit salsa water. Like, drink that. <laughs> and he did, you know. I'm feeling weaker and weaker. <laughs> yeah. Like, if nobody ever tells you, you can actually just well, that... put your hand on your belly and ask yeah. yourself what it needs, and you'll get an answer. You don't need to go to the doctor. I'm not saying don't go to the doctor yeah. and don't get help, but we out you know the opposite of we outsource outsource so much of our power 
Oh, I love that. And thirst is such a great example because I mean, we don't really, we're not really taught to feel thirst. Yeah. We're taught that we should just be like drinking water all the time. Like not so much when I was a kid, but when I got older, that was, we didn't talk about it at all as far as I recall when I was little, but then it was like, you should just be drinking water all the time. Like your pee should be clear. And that's not true. Yes. Why would that be a thing? Like you should be able to trust your body to know if you're freaking thirsty or not just like you can trust your body to know if you're hungry hopefully like (laughs) it's like what is this weird feeling like I'm not hungry I'm tired but is there something else like oh I'm thirsty yes and as somebody that was so disconnected from her body that because I was working so hard, I didn't even know that I had no fluid in my womb. Yeah, you uh-huh. did. <laughs> um, that my son almost actually died in my womb, you know, and it was a divine mistake. Like I made a mistake on my doctor's appointment. I went two days early and that saved his life. And, you know, it, it just so, I've been, you know, I was a control freak for so long and, and I was working so hard because I wanted to have an, this false illusion I had of, I, I won't have enough money to support my child, mm-hmm. which wasn't mine. Like I inherited that, you know, which mm-hmm. is a whole other conversation. But in reflecting on that whole experience, I realized that, you know, I heard this, um, there's a book called The Choice for Love by Barbara DeAngelis. And she says that love is a very intense emotion very very intense and if we have if we're scared of intensity then we limit how much love we allow into our life Mm. and I was thinking about this because I really believe you know a lot there are a lot of energies that are two sides of the same coin Mm. you know the negative that has like the negative and the positive so like we hear you know the opposite of joy is grief the opposite of passion is anger um I discovered for myself that, you know, the opposite of creativity is drama. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. You know, and so a lot of us create, we actually create drama in our life because we need creativity and we're not allowing mm-hmm. for it. We actually limit it. You know, I, on my intake, on my intake paperwork for new clients, um, I, I asked them about like the different areas of their life and it is just again and again, every adult client pretty much with a couple of exceptions, their creative life is always the lowest, like out of all of the parts of their life, mm. that one, like some other parts of their, their life, they'll rank like nine, or 10 out of 10, you know, I mean, a lot of people hate their jobs, you know, of course, but um which is so sad because they're but, not being creatively expressed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like people will write like sometimes like a one or a two for creativity. Wow. And I actually didn't realize how bad it was until I started seeing that pretty much every single person says that. And that's actually not the case for me at all. And I was like, Holy shit. Okay. This is systemic. This is not individual. I totally agree with that, you know, and, and I think a lot of, people don't know that that's what's missing in their life. Wow, that's so interesting. You know, because when I, when my son almost died in my womb, that's when I started to do my inner work. And the thing that really awakened was my creativity. And I started Mm -hmm. writing. I literally woke up at four o'clock in the morning, started writing and never stopped. Like (laughs) a book 
like I'm writing every single day, but if you would have told me what's your dream, I would have never told you writer. Like sure. that would not have been on my radar because of where I was so stuck, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it goes back to kind of like that, that trying to control, like you're operating from a place of survival and trying to keep yourself safe as opposed to right. understanding that you're an adult now and you have choices and you can actually choose creativity over drama. You right. can choose passion over anger. You have, I think the most important thing we have in our life is choice. And if you've not been taught that, if you didn't, you haven't been taught that you were, I can tell you how many people tell me like, oh, well, that's not reality. Like I can't, get off from my boss or I can't and I'm like that is the that that who told you that and why do you accept it to be true mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like feeling really stuck but it's like not and feel like you don't have a choice yeah and that's so, you have a choice you can quit your job and you're but what you know that was my story like I can't quit because I have a premium at home and I need insurance I'm the breadwinner mm-hmm. of my family and I remember when my life coach, she just totally called me out and she was like, that's total bullshit. She was like, there's lots of people that quit their jobs and find a way to get insured. You know what I mean? There's freelancers union, there's this and that. And it was the story I was using. And, and she said, I think you're just afraid of change. <laughs> and I started to ball. I felt like she took a mask off my face. Wow. And it was like, she yeah. saw you. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, of course I'm afraid to change. I've had this job for 10 years. It's the only job I ever had. Right. And now I have a lot more responsibility. Like I pay, I have a mortgage, I have a child, I pay, you know what I mean? And, and so it becomes a lot harder to um, honor choice <laughs> when you have, when you get older, you know, change becomes a lot, lot harder you know but but um you still have it it's always a choice it's always a choice and and so as again you know I just like to share this because you're talking about being connected to your body and all these things and how our body knows what we need and you know from one extreme to another of of who I was to who I am now (laughs) as far as being connected to my body, you know? So it's, it's definitely possible. Like if you allow in support and help. So Mm -hmm. I I was kind of, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I, as you were talking, I made a couple of notes that I was like, Oh, I should talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And just, you know, because it's like, you know, it's conversation or meander. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Regarding, um, Regarding structure and being project-based, I mean, it's just so interesting. Like, if you're not project-based, I think a lot of folks still find kind of a, like a, a flow throughout the year that is very seasonal. Um, and for myself, one thing that I've just found, um, and I've, I've seen this echoed in other people's experience, too, is that January really is a time for hibernation. Um, and it's interesting how that it, that shows up in a few different industries, like in um, restaurants and retail, it's very slow at that time. So if you work in those industries, you know that you're going to make about half as much money as you normally do. So be ready, um, but you're also going to have to do way less work. Right? And um, I, and, and I've been in those industries and um then same, I felt like it was kind of the same thing when I was seeing Ayurveda clients, like January was kind of quiet. Um, I mean, that's in, in health, 
I don't know, in health world, that's kind of a time where people make New Year's resolutions and stuff. So that varies a little bit. But what I just really found was like, like end of December and definitely the first half of January, I got a lot of quiet time and that has happened. Um, it's really been happening every year and I've just been allowing it in the beginning. I fought it and I find that I'm so freaking tired at that time. Mm-hmm. Like I just need to rest, like, like not rest, like go to the park, like rest, like just stay in bed. Yeah. And it's so good. And it's like, how do I get this freaking tired? But I think it's just like that. I think it, yeah, it's like, okay, well you need to sleep. And then in the summer, I, so in, I find spring and fall to be the times when I'm like the most active and in terms of like things we call work. And in the summer, I find that I tend to work less, whatever that means. Um, and sometimes I earn more. I'm not really sure, but when I just look at the numbers, that's what happens. Mm. Um, and I think maybe it's because I'm out having fun and that energy is just mm-hmm. flowing, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if you're, you're, what you're saying really mimics nature, right? Exactly. You, know, like you go dormant you know, the flowers and the harvest goes completely dormant in the winter. And then the growing is like in the the spring, right? And then in the summer, it's just blossoming. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just like, yeah, exactly. You know, we live in this world of where we, we we're in a perpetual harvest. And that's one of the reasons why I think there's so much burnout and exhaustion because we're not honoring the process of growth. Right. You know, but at the same time, go ahead. Oh no, you go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, but, you know, the, my journey over the last um, few years have been kind of following this, like, divine feminine and, and earth wisdom, and there's a lot of talk about kind of seasonal and the lunar cycle, and, you know, I this goes back to honoring your uniqueness, because I think that we can just go from, like, following kind of patriarchal standards of nine to five, perpetual harvest, to again, just following this divine feminine path, which may not be true. Like, so for me, for example, I have found kind of the opposite. I, um, mm. I, I need rest in the summer <laughs> and mm. I'm actually pretty lively in the winter time. I mean, I'm not, I, I honor that January off as well. Um, but there's usually some activity happening of, of an offering and I get very, very, um, I, I really need stillness in, in the round round now, like, you know, June timeframe. Um, and also with the lunar cycle, traditionally they say like the dark of the moon, the new moon is like a quiet time where you go inward and you set your intentions. And then the full moon is like, that's where they have full moon parties, right? You like illuminate and you're wild. And right. it's, it's quite opposite for me actually. So really, yeah, like I, that's get, awesome. <laughs> I get my period on the full moon. And I remember when I started in a feminine group, they were like, you're, you're supposed to get your, your, your moon should be like, your period should be aligned with the moon and it should be aligned with the new moon. And so mine did that because I, it's almost like I willed it. Right. <laughs> oh my God. But that wasn't natural for me and just really honoring like who I am, which tends to be like opposite. <laughs> That's just like my thing. <laughs> now I'm really into human design and I under now I'm understanding why because I'm a projector in human design, which is like really about being very different. So you know, um like just honoring it. And um that's that constant thing that I always have to come back to of like allowing in help 
allowing in support, but always using that to support my core, mm. you know, and not, not surrendering the core of who I am. And what has really helped me to connect to my core has been to actually name and define my values mm -hmm. and my core desired feelings, you know, which is that Daniel Laporte's work, but you and I've talked about, I've just really synthesized it now. And what I have found is that when I name my feelings, like how I want to feel, and I have my values side by side, I, I realize that there's a connection between my mm -hmm. values and my feelings. And you know, like one of my, one of my core desired feelings, one of my values is trust. That's the one that, you know, I'm taught like the trust, the universe, trust that I'm supported, trust that I'm being guided. And last year, one of my feelings was steadiness. And so, you know, whenever I felt unsteady, I would look at that, look at that connection. And I created these I am statements to connect them. And the I am statement was when I can see the bigger picture, you know, and, and, mm. and it would, it would, because one of my kind of wounded beliefs is I'm not supported. And I would ask my husband, I want to do something. He would say no. And then I'd, I would go back into that story. But when I see this I am statement, I take a step back and I'm like, he moved cross country. He left his country. <laughs> he moved cross country to be with, like, he supports right. me. Like, get perspective here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now, now that feeling has gone from steadiness to relaxation. But it's still, it's still connected to my value. My value is trust you know and so now I can move into a place of when I see the bigger picture I can actually relax right. you know and um and I love seeing things through the lens of like masculine and feminine and so I just see kind of my values as like that masculine energy of foundation and structure which allows my feminine to be messy and wild and creative mm -hmm. it it supports it it doesn't control it like, it like and you're doing that in yourself, right? Like you're exactly. not needing your, your partner to be that thing. No, I, yes, mm -hmm. that has been a big part of my journey is having been able to balance my masculine and feminine internally. And then my partners are like, my relationship, my partner becomes a reflection of that as opposed to seeking mm -hmm. him to be a certain way because we're so different actually, right. you right. know, um, like it, and allowing in sisterhood has been a big part of it. Like that's where you and I connected, right? We literally, we had a, like we would literally meet quarterly, like every month last year, myself, you and another sister. It was first five or six women and then it went down to three. Yeah, we, <laughs> we were in it to win it. <laughs> yeah, but we did it for more than a year. Every single month mm. we, we had structured connection where we That's celebrated true. ourselves, we listened to what support we need and we prayed for each other's intentions. And what I love now is that now Molly and I have moved into this organic place of like, oh my God, this exciting thing happened to me. Can I like call, like, just call each other all the time? We don't need the structure anymore. Right. That's true. Because the foundation is there and that safety because, you know, we talked about vulnerability just to kind of come full circle. It's hard to be weak with another person. And the way the world is set up, I find that it's harder to be shiny and bright. <laughs> mm. and, and that has become a big part of vulnerability as well. You know, absolutely. And, and it warms my heart so much that like when I want to celebrate, there's no part of me that ever thinks that she'll be jealous or not happy for me or anything, which, <laughs> which was a big wound for me before. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But you, that you unlearn it through doing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Molly, this was Aww. such an awesome conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I just want to ask you, is there anything that you kind of want to 
say is to like kind of wrap things up or anything that you you feel um you don't feel complete about sharing related mm. to so I wanted to just say I did I wanted to say one thing I wanted to say that we've the word lazy's come up a lot in the beginning and I wanted to just say that I really had to give myself radical permission to be lazy whatever that meant like mm-hmm. I had to be open to someone calling me lazy and I had to be open to the idea that I could be that sounds like that's one of those weeds right one of those shadow yeah. things and it's like what does lazy even mean it really depends on the circumstance it's that it's just like uh, you know it's just like a kind of a funny value judgment of like you are this thing compared to this other thing but what does it mean really like and <laughs> I I don't as far as it goes I probably am not lazy but I had to like be very very willing to be oh I love that I love that and it's so funny because now when I hear the word lazy I think of a lazy river which is oh that's so nice right like even the even if you go to like a sports a sports amusement park like it I mean a water park it's moving it's just like you're not doing the work (laughs) you're just hanging out in like a inner tube going down the lazy river exactly and that that to me i think is a beautiful note to end on because that is awesome to me that is the essence of co-creation yeah that is awesome okay (laughs) high five virtual high five dude (laughs) yay all right molly so people want to just like be in your world you know and be in your reorgan be with you in your reorganization and your um passion for herbs which you share a lot about and just your journey where Mm -hmm. can connect with you yeah you bet uh my so my website is just my name uh mollymorehead.com and my parents spelled that a little special it's uh i mean you'll probably put it in the show notes but it's um m-o-l-l-i-e-m-o-o-r-h-e-a-d um that's my website where it's kind of like the home for all the things um and I, I have a newsletter, which I'm going to be, you can sign up for it on the website. I'm going to be once a month offering like a batch of handmade herbal products and it's going to be offered first in the newsletter. So that's why I say that. Um, because I just started doing that the last couple of months and it's, it's actually been crazy. Like people, like they've, sold out kind of instantly and so I need to I didn't realize there was that demand um but but but, okay this is actually a really great thing to kind of (laughs) insideness and how you unlearned what was the first thing you did when you when when you whenever you thought about selling so you would always tell me like you never thought about selling your stuff because of what yeah I just didn't think it was like a viable business model I didn't think you could really make money doing it um, because, and I think it, it, it seemed like a lot of hustle for not a lot of, uh, return. Right. Yeah. So, but you started making this stuff just because you wanted to, cause you have a love for herbs, mm-hmm. you have a love for, for, for using your hands to create things, beautiful things. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And, so, and so this just came out of like, there was extra and you were like, it, it hey, did. let me share it. Like there's extra. I don't need this much tea. 
uh, I'll do a donation base. And then now it's like becoming a thing for you. It's becoming right? a thing. Right. That's exactly what happened. And because the thing is also just this past year, I'm getting to know this bioregion. So I'm doing as much experimenting with the plants as I can. And yeah, then I'm like, wait, now I have all of this infused oil. Now I have all of this herbal tea blend that I made. Like it, it's like hoarding if I don't share it in some way. So yeah, that's how it started. So that's zero hustle, right? And all I've done is just share things on my channels and people have been buying them. I mean, they've yeah, been you just selling out your, instantly. Yeah. You followed your curiosity and your passion. I did. Right. And so last night I set up an online store so that Yay. I'm like, don't have to do the back and forth. Uh, and the way I'm going to do it is it, on a normal month, if there's not some reason that I can't do it, I will send out a newsletter that has, you know, any products that, um, that are, you know, that are available that month. And then there'll just be like a link you can click to buy it instead of having to like email me and tell me your address and this whole thing. Um, and that'll be starting, um, you know, basically now, but, um, I just got most of the orders shipped for this month. Um, and I'm just trying to do it once a month in terms of like that release so that, uh, to keep it more contained, I guess, you know, um, but see, that's another beautiful example yeah. of like, here's your wild passion that had no purpose. It is just for joy. <laughs> and now you're using structure to support that. That's it's, true. It's not like the other way around where you're a slave to the structure and mm -hmm. there's no passion in it. Right. Or it kind of takes away from the passion, which yeah, I think exactly. is a lot of how our society works. Right. It's more, and that was kind of like my intention today. It was like, how can I use systems to support, to support me instead of giving my power away to the system. Mm -hmm. you know? The other thing with my newsletter, it's funny. Like I used to feel so stressed out um, sharing, like if I wrote a blog post, I also, I didn't have, I don't have it set up so it automatically goes out to my list. And so I would then also send out a newsletter and the formatting is different. And this is why I had an office assistant for years to do these things for me. But when I kind of closed my business, I couldn't afford to pay people, you know, and she had other jobs and she's my friend and it's all fine. But, um, I was like, God, I don't like this. And so what I'm doing is like, whenever, what I'm going to do is whenever I send out that monthly newsletter with the products and product descriptions, um, I'm going to just have at the bottom, like, um, that month's blog post roundup. Like if I put out any blog posts, I'm just going to have the links to them with the titles. I love that. Right? Those, yeah. I'm going through the same experience. Like when I- Really? Like, yeah. Because when I first started blogging, I got into the whole online marketing world and, you know, it was like, be consistent, blog. It's every Thursday. Oh, that's so, crap. What? It's such bullshit. I used to blog. And then even now, like I'm finding the same thing. Like the, the newsletter thing is, it's, it's draining. Like I just love, I love- Instagram and social media because it's so mm -hmm. spontaneous, right? It's, it's so cool. easy and spontaneous. But not everybody's on social media and these people signed up for my newsletter. So I'm, I'm navigating that myself. But one change that I made, you know, for, and this I think is a great just example of how you fine tune, right? Because it's, it's, it's always an iterative process. I think that's, we didn't get this conversation, mm -hmm. but a lot of people don't take action because they want perfection. But the only thing is that there is no perfection because the perfection comes from like learning who you are and what you like and what you need and what works. Mm -hmm. And that only comes from experimentation. And I think when we get to a certain age, like we are not okay with experimentation. 
and, I, oh. and, and so, um, but I, um, had a business coach last year and it was really helpful for some things, but the way she said to set up your website, I did, and it just didn't feel right. And then I learned that I actually need physical contact. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, um, when I accepted that all these opportunities for events started to come up and, I reorganized my website so that the first page are all my events. And um, so it's more geared towards like that. And then I have a media page. So it has all my videos of various videos and articles and whatnot so that if people want to connect, learn more about me, they can see my work as opposed to me telling them what I'm about. You know? That's awesome. And it's and that, really and, that put the emphasis on the in-person events. It put the emphasis on the in-person yeah. events. And then what also happened from that, and this was because I got asked to be on a panel and she was like, put a link to your media page. And I was like, media page, huh? <laughs> you know, and so <laughs> you that, <don't> say. <laughs> that led me to creating it. And then recently somebody was like, I'm looking for moms for a podcast. Like what topics are you interested in? And I was like, here's a link to my media page. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and and you're like, felt so link. professional yeah and I got a link to book right away and it was just all organized like it was contained like you were saying it was kind of contained and I think that creates an anchor too mm -hmm. you know? that's awesome because I think that when we are creative and we are in our feminine a lot we can be sporadic and you do need some sort of a container an anchor I would say mm -hmm. um, and and that's kind of again how you can use systems the masculine to support you and, right. but it has to be the kind that you like the way you like how you're saying yeah it has you have to have the notebook if you're a notebook person and yeah. you have to have the other thing if you're the other thing person yeah. and so it's unique to you so full permission to experiment you don't oh, no to know what you want try try one thing and be like hmm do I like this no let me try it this way try don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. you know I tried to have an online business and I was like this sucks yeah <laughs> oh it's so interesting yeah um <laughs> one other thing about my website um just uh I, I think that's the main thing but yeah I do a lot of writing and I have some writing projects coming up um, so that's there, but if you want to connect with me on social media, I'm like on the things, um, my Instagram name is really funny right now. Um, <laughs> I just was like going to the bathroom one night before bed and I just had like this mad desire to change my Instagram <laughs> name to something kind of absurd that made me happy. And because it had been a variation of my name like my actual name for so long and I was just so bored I love my name but I was completely bored so yeah my Instagram name is uh is Willow Manzanita Linden those are all underscored in between um uh yeah and there's a story there obviously <laughs> we don't have we'll to keep, go there we'll, keep them, uh, we'll make them look like if you want to know this story, go look at her Instagram. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I've ever said anything. Oh, yeah, it's planned. Now I have to. <laughs> You're like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> well, you know, also, I don't think we'll ever get off, but just to end this with, you know, yeah. permission to change. Like, that's the other thing. I think a lot of hardworking good girls, which ironically was, is my avatar mm. of like people that I work, you know, resonate with. Um, we're very afraid of like, of looking flaky and like changing and definitely, um, 
my I've changed my Instagram so many times. Now it's sacred sweat that I love that. <laughs> I love that one. Um, but it I think that it, it all comes back to like when you know who you are and you accept who you are, you know, and, and that also like my values from last year to this year changed, which is fine because I'm we're always regenerating. But when you take the time to kind of like connect to your core of your foundation of what you believe in and what you want um, and you kind of just really own it, like setting your intentions for the year, for the day or whatever process works for you. And, you know, if you want to know more about that, you can always reach out. But um, that allows for for a lot of variation um, without feeling ungrounded or flaky <laughs> for that matter. Yeah. So. Yeah, I love that. <clears throat> All right, darling. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> love okay. you. I love you too. And I hope people receive whatever they need to receive out of this. It sure was fun for me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Same. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>